welcome to our podcast um, from Impact Planning Group. I'm Mary Abazia, and with me is Tom Spitali and Sean Wellam. Hey. And um, our, one of our last podcasts was we were unpacking um, popular cases. In this case, it was the live tour, the golf tour, and how how it's affecting the PGA and the PGA is affecting live. So it's a it's a great case, and we have a marketing lens that is starting to identify different issues. And in our last podcast, we talked about, um, you know, the interesting thing that influencer maps, there's so many different players that are impacted by that value proposition, you know, the players, the sponsors, the audiences. So um, we're going to continue on because Tom has a couple of key things that really help this case come to life more. Well, the first thing I'd love to talk about is closed and open ecosystems, because we had talked about on the last episode that um, the way the PGA Tour is reacting to the challenge from the Live Tour is that they're kind of closing their doors where they've been sort of lenient with players playing on other tours in the past. They have decided to suspend players that have chosen to take the money from the Live Tour, thus acting somewhat like what you might call a closed ecosystem, whereas the live tour has no such requirements. They're like live and let live, <laughs> you know, uh, but if the player, if the PGA tour will let you play, that's fine. We, you know, they do have a certain number of tournaments that they want their players to play in as well, but they don't care where else they, that their players play. So that's like the open ecosystem. And I feel like we have seen in our work, um, you know, in all kinds of B2B industries that there has been decisions that our clients have had to make about whether they can continue to be sort of a closed ecosystem or an open ecosystem. For example, when you make HVAC equipment, do you let other servicing companies service your, 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 your air conditioning units? Or do you require a service contract you know, um, and or, or or somewhere in between. I mean, I would love to talk a little bit about about that and the challenges that, you know, we've seen and what your guys thoughts are on. How do you make that kind of a decision, whether you, you know, whether you're the open player or the closed player? What, what are some of the considerations? What are some of the things that we have seen um, in that difficult decision? Yeah, that is always the tough one, isn't it? Because it seems intuitive to protect your own market by making it exclusive but it's that same flawed flawed approach that have people think in terms of macroeconomics and say we must protect our own industry we must protect the steel industry or the coal industry when it's fundamentally flawed because you you ultimately we're better off when the money flows to the the right area so open is generally better right from an economics perspective Closed is usually less good, open is better. And I think it holds true in commerce. I can't think of an example of a closed system that is really successful. Maybe I'm not thinking hard. Apple. The, the Apple ecosystem is still, you know, relatively closed. I think it's probably, and, and um, you know, Mary, we used to see in the oil and gas that, uh, was it, was it uh, Schlumberger, I, I believe, was, kind of a closed uh, ecosystem in the oil fields where, you know, if you were where, where most um, companies could put their oil field equipment package together from a number of different sources 
the, the Schlumberger um, value proposition, and I think this is actually changing, but the Schlumberger value proposition was you got to use all of our stuff in your in your system. But you know, Sean, you're right. It's not it's not a a a, a very common um, thing. But but I I do know that as as ecosystems have grown, like you're uh, um, you you make thermostats, right? And now these thermostats are part of this just broad uh, ecosystem of home automation, right? And mm-hmm. so now you've got to decide, uh, do, how do I manufacture my thermostats so they work with a whole range of home automation alarm systems and, and, and you know, automatic window blinds and lighting systems, you know? It's like you, you've got to think more uh, about that kind of thing than you ever have had, and it's not easy. Well, I, you know, I have an opinion on this too. Um, I think you really have to take a hard look at your own capabilities. And, you know, if you're going to have a closed system or even a hybrid closed, where it's, you know, it, it's um, a, a few exclusive partnerships that are part of your system. So it's not just you, but you fill in those gaps with other capabilities or companies that can can help you then it may be a good idea. But if you're narrow, which a lot of B2B companies kind of are forced to be more narrow um, if you because sometimes they get too broad and then they can't take care of anything. So it seems as though, you know, the first question is, is, is what do your customers need, number one, and that helps define how broad you're going to go. You know, the doorbell can only do so much. How much does my customer expect that door system to do in my house? So first understanding, you know, the expectations of the customers and the needs. And then the second question is, what are my relative capabilities? You know, can I serve it better than anyone else so I can have that unique position? Or do I need to open it up because I really don't have it and I need to somehow, you know, let my customers, I need to still have some control, but let my customers have more options. Well, I guess the the, the motivation is key to me as well as to, to what you could see why somebody would, would want to create an exclusive lockout for their products. You could see why that would make some sense, the compatibility with peripherals and like, like kind of like Apple do. They're, they're a lot more open than than maybe they used to be. But in general terms, there's a sort of a, a, um, a little bit of a lockout for, for other softwares. But in the case of Live and the PGA, it seems that the, the PGA have historically demanded more commitment than exclusivity. On the last podcast time, you mentioned that you have to do a certain number of tournaments and pay your dues, and then it's kind of accepted that you'll play in the European Tour. Maybe you'll play in some of the majors that aren't governed by the PGA, like the Open or the Masters. Mm-hmm. And so they, they demanded commitment rather than exclusivity. It seems that their reaction to live is because they're worried that it's it's now a threat to their dominance in this particular area that they've chosen a, a, um, to ban it for their members on some basis. And I think that that is telling as well, that it's not yeah. it's not how they've always been, right? They've not always been exclusive. They want commitment, but now they're demanding exclusivity. It's really signaled, um, it's signaled something, and I don't think it's good uh, that, that what, what the PGA Tour is saying. I mean, they're, 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 they, they could just ignore it. 
you know, they could ignore Liv and just say, fine, you know, make your 15 tournaments PGA Tour and, 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 and think about that. Now, you know, the Saudis are throwing hundreds of millions of dollars at some of the top players in the world, right? And they're benefiting from this conflict, right? Mm. You could use judo, right? Where the PGA Tour could just say, fine, you know, uh, do what you want. If the Saudis want to throw a couple hundred million dollars at you, you know, let live be the one that starts to, 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 to demand ex exclusivity. And the reason why I think that that would have been a really um, interesting and strong, stronger strategy for the PGA Tour is uh, something I mentioned in the last podcast. Incumbent leagues don't have a high uh, uh, probability of success. If the PGA Tour could just have some patience and 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 the right strategy that doesn't make live into a hero. Right. They may have. Uh, an opportunity to 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 just do what what many incumbent sports leagues have done to challengers and that is wait them out when they fail take the best players back in and just become yeah. stronger and right? the best innovations and take bring them back in and, and the best that. innovations yeah like you said about cricket last time sean so yeah, yeah i i think that um i think that the positioning of uh the pga tour at least what they've signaled with what they've done may not be as well thought out as we all might think it well was. you know i can be a bit of a bellwether on this because i'm not a, i don't follow golf i don't play as i said on the previous podcast and i don't really read up and I, I watch the occasional major when it's on the tv but i'm not in any way a fan yet when i heard about this and looked at the pj's response i thought they're scared of something they're worried that this is that someone is coming up with a better product an innovation a different way of doing something because it seemed to be an overreaction. It didn't seem to be a, it was a fearful reaction. And that made me then want to look at what the live product was. And so incidentally, I found out what live stands for since our last podcast. It's it's 54. the Roman numerals for yeah. 54. Before, and that's when I said that they play three rounds and PGA tour plays 72 holes of golf, 18 times <laughs> four. I, Mary promised there would be no math, but I'm sorry. I'm really, it, no, I just thought it was pretty cool because yeah, I think the last podcast we talked about live and let live, which was a nice, it should be their strap line. But the, um, I, I, well, like I say, I'm, I'm the, uh, I'm the voice of the uninitiated on this podcast because I didn't know. So I found out and I thought that was interesting. Well, yeah. Three times 18 being 54. That's what they're, they're saying shorter, more to the point kind of thing again for the younger generation. Yeah. But let's talk about position because we're talking about what the, the PGA tour is signaling, signaling with their positioning, but let's listen to this. So you know, uh, you would think that the, the, the guy that's leading the live tour is named Greg Norman. He was a former number one golfer and a very successful businessman. My, this is a Greg Norman product that I have on right now. Uh, he makes clothes, he makes wine. He's been, he's been, the wine. yeah. And um, so he's the leader. He's the voice. He's the, the mouthpiece for live. And what did you think that, as part of, you know, just PR prep, he would know how to handle certain obvious questions. Okay. Um, and so he was asked, what about the Saudi Arabia um, uh, human rights history? I mean, how can you represent that, especially the uh, Khashoggi uh, killing, you know, the, the famous Khashoggi killing? And rather than have a very well thought through positioned response. Do you know what Norman said? 
everybody makes mistakes. <laughs> And so, you know, and, and of course that got, that got all the headlines for the, and whatever momentum that Liv had at the time was just really damaged by that. And so my point is um, that wargaming is so important. Wargaming being testing out your strategy, uh, even your public relation responses before you go into the marketplace. It's just so critical to make sure you don't make huge mistakes like that. I think they, yeah. I, I don't think Liv has really recovered fully from, from that. I mean, it, it may, it may, because the PGA tour is positioning the, the, the Liv tour as dirty money. Well, I mean, that's, that's, that's its Achilles heel. And it sounds like I didn't hear that comment, but that that's a classic, isn't it? Of like, deer in the headlights being asked a question you didn't anticipate and then coming up with something terrible like we all make mistakes <laughs> it's, it's right up there you're it's like right what? Up there. what yeah yeah but i like your point about positioning so tom where do you think or sean where do you think that um the positioning should go next i mean give it or who for live or for pga or both of them like like yeah. if you were to do a simulation what would be the most effective thing for each of them to do next all right, Tom, I'll be Liv. You can be PGA. We'll okay. wargame this live on the on the air. So if I was Liv, uh, my opening gambit would be um, I'd focus on this shaking up the old, making it more spectator-friendly, excitement. That's kind of what they're doing, right? But I'd focus majorly on this on this shaking up the old guard. Golf's played the same way for 100 years. It's, 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 it's tradition. It's, it's steeped in tradition, golf. So I would say we're, we're we're brash. We're the we're the the beastie boys of golf. So I, I try and position it as this. Uh, I, I guess that's what they're doing. But that, that's that's where I'm going to hit you with Tom. I'm going to hit you with. Uh, it's new. It's fun. It's exciting. I think that's, and I, I think that's their current positioning. Golf only louder, right? I mean, I think okay. that's really. Good. Um, but you know, uh, and I think that I think it's effective, uh, but subverted bit a bit by Greg Norman's very very uh poorly timed and poorly stated comment my so how do you my, respond then how do you respond pga home of the best players in the world so what happens when live pulls a few of the best players away can you hold can you sustain that i think that the pga tour has um has enough uh, so they've kind of closed ranks and they've got enough guys um that have sworn allegiance that i don't think it's gonna have i don't you know like rory rory mcelroy for example tiger woods mm. um vocal uh opponents of what Liv is doing which i don't think is right either i mean the, the, I, I, the choice is choice is something that you know people want <laughs> But but in, in, in any event, I mean, I think that the PGA Tour would probably have to close ranks around those guys to make sure it didn't happen. Maybe there could be some financial benefits to, to those guys. But my my simple positioning of home of the best players in the world is 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 built off of the natural, um, you know, unstated, I think, unstated need in the minds of all sports fans everywhere. They just want to see the best players. And I mean, the other thing is it's on it's, it's, it. It's non-profit, right? The PGA is a non-profit. Um, yeah. So they've got that. They, I guess they've got some credibility. You know that you were, you 
talked about time i can't remember when about the, the positioning to be not something rather than positioning to be too something i think like the uncola was the example yep. if i remember rightly yep exactly it's almost like if if they i imagine they're a, a one two billion dollar outfit the pga so i'm sure within that they must have invested some money in grassroots in increasing facilities i hope so yes. for, for so sure. maybe there's that that's you know by golfers for golfers supporting golf and positioning against and saying, yeah, you know what, we, we're committed to 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 upping the excitement, looking for new formats, and we have this. this we, we are innovating. We we take on board that that's a need, but you know, we're the home of golf. We we support with with the the, the grassroots. Been a long time, and and position is not being. It's not all about just enriching people and throwing dirty money. Maybe they position against that. Is is their best yeah. rather than trying to shut up, pull up the drawbridge and say, no, we're the PGA. We're not going to let you do that. They've got to find a way of having people. They've got to position live for them. They've they've got to reposition live rather than position themselves, or at least do both. Maybe I, I like it, Sean. Uh, I mean, because probably the best response is out out the window. Ignore. You know, I mean, I think that if they would have probably ignored uh, live, uh, they wouldn't have handed them. A, a public relations bonanza and probably hundreds of millions of dollars of free publicity, but that's gone now. So uh, I, I, I like, I like what you're saying too, as an, as an option, let's put both of those in front of the PGA tour and ask them which one they want to go with. Cause either one I think is good or maybe some combo, some combo of them. Yeah. yeah. So, um, so, this has been such a great example. You know, we've looked at, you know, how you differentiate and different value propositions and um, and also the influencer map, you know, who are you targeting and, you know, and, and there are a lot of different customers in this example. Uh, so how do you, how do you make sure you stay up with that group? And especially when it's evolving from, you know, a newer generation, how will that shift what PGA wants to do anyway and what might live by be able to do with these younger younger upcomers. Um, but Tom, I think you did a really good job of helping us kind of think through ecosystems. You know, if you're a B2B and you have an option to have a closed or open or hybrid of some type, you know, what is the benefit of those and what should you consider? And just the power of positioning, you know, it's going to happen whether you consciously do it or not. And I, what I love about this example is if you're unconscious and positioning, you're going to be really in trouble. <laughs> so, so it has to be active and it has to be something that is, you know, well-prepared. So are you prepared with your positioning as a company? And Wargames is such a nice way to, to look at what's the future? You know, what are my options? What, what, what might I get blindsided by? So um, any closing thoughts on this? Yeah, if anyone from the PGA is listening, uh, you know, call us. Yeah. <laughs> Great summation, Mary. Love it. Thank you. Thank you. Um, yeah, this was topic. such a fun topic. Please join us. We're going to have other topics through the lens of marketing. And um, we uh, we hope you took something from this. Thank you. Thank you.